uh, one of my favorite things I think probably about the fitness industry in general has been my opportunity to meet a lot of amazing people, many of which who are from different areas of the country and the world, especially with the education stuff. And, you know, funny enough, uh, probably the time that I've so far gotten to spend the most time with you, even though we're like maybe, you know, 40 minutes apart from each other was on the opposite side of the world in Italy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, so it's all about the relationships and connections. So first off, I appreciate you giving us some time and coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very great. Yeah. To be here. And so training since 2008, you know, working currently teaching classes for brands like Barry's Bootcamp you know, teaching for other organizations, kettlebell certifications, PPSC, you know, working with Technogem, uh, you know, you've, you've been able to do a lot of things inside the fitness industry since you've been coaching and training. What do we need to know about you, the man in front of me right now, to understand what got you here, right, to this point, training, teaching, getting to work with a lot of people inside the fitness industry? Uh, so, I mean, I've always been and I feel like this may be a thing for a lot of fitness people. I was, I was always very active. I was doing something. Never, I was never a like high school, big high school athlete or college athlete, any of the sort, but always playing sports, doing something active that was always in my wheelhouse, whether it was basketball, football, surfing, skimboarding, surfing, parkour, free running, gymnastics, always doing something, trying to move my body in some way. Um, always trying to challenge myself to try something new. Um, you know, you run into those moments where you just get pigeonholed and you're just like, I'm just going to get really good at this one thing. Once you get at it, then you move to something else for a little bit. Um, so I feel like as far as the, you know, movement is medicine, like I've always felt that way and like use it or lose it. That's always kept me moving. And that was something that um, seeing it with my grandparents, um, seeing my dad, who was for me, the first person who was Mr. Fitness and whatnot. Um, you know, he suffered an injury as a police officer. Uh you know, uh, responding to a phone call. And then I saw he wasn't as active because he hurt his knee and stuff like that. So I saw the need for myself to continue moving at all. Even if you get injured, work around it within the ranges that you can keep working. Um, and then going into the training side and actually wanting to make, you know, this kind of my profession or at least dabble in it at first, it was kind of like a side thing, um, stemmed more from the fact that I, I got wanted to be able to help people maintain those, abilities, you know, um, things that I started to notice that, Hey, this actually helped me feel better with this particular thing. This helped my knee feel better. This helped my back feel stronger, et cetera. As I was like very fledgling, um, into training and kind of picking off little things here and there, uh, around 2006, I actually was working at a gym called thump high gym down here in Miami. Uh, I worked in the front desk and I was just doing sales. Uh, it was a Prior to being involved in fitness, my background was more in sales and whatnot. Um, seeing a lot of the guys that came in, we had, you kind of would walk into the gym, you would go to the right side and that was the gen pop. That was all your machines and your cables and your treadmills and all that sort of stuff. And on to the left side, when you'd come in, we had uh, mats for BJJ, we had boxing ring, and that was like the, the MMA side essentially per se, boxing and MMA. Um, being a small gym in Miami, out in kind of Pinecrest, Kendall area, off the beaten path a little bit, not the fitness area. <laughs> yeah. The owner was very, um, I want to say very connected per se. Uh, and he he would have people coming in. You know, Antonio Margarito came through at one point when he was champ. Glenn Johnson was training there when he was actively boxing. Uh, we had some UFC fighters, I think Sheik Congo, Alessio Sakara. So people were coming through 
And I got to see some of their trainers come in with them, these like higher level guys. And it, at first it was, you know, wonder why they're doing that particular thing, those particular drills. That's where I kind of got exposed to like, you got your speed coach, you got your power coach, you got your grappling coach, like specific things. And like, that's where those niches are, right? These people got really proficient at these things. And I just started to try to pick little things off everybody. And just like, how does this work? How does that work? Uh, and that got my brain rolling into, damn, I want to learn how to do this stuff. Like, I wanted to just think about how to do this to help your regular person. But like this kind of stuff, like higher level, not that I, I thought I would ever go into working with pro athletes and stuff like that. But even taking some of the things that work for them will work for the gen pop, maybe not at the same level, right? So I just started to have the opportunity to see and learn, just watch, you know, like, hey, can I come in here and just watch what you guys are doing for training? And it just became kind of a sponge, just started picking up as much as I possibly could. Um, still doing my sales stuff. If I, you know, came in on a Sunday and it was slow and someone's training, I'm going to go in and I'm going to watch. Um, we also had a couple of personal trainers who were like private trainers, you know, that specialize in different things. Someone's a bodybuilder. One guy's a PT and a trainer. So, and he's working with youth athletes in private schools. So I had a lot of different realms to reach out of. It was kind of, I almost felt like a kid in a candy store. And it's like, I obviously didn't know where and what direction I wanted to go, but it was just opening my eyes to so many things that, oh, this, there's not just bench presses and dumbbells and deadlifts. You know, there's so much more to do because I grew up very traditional in high school weight room and, you know, high school, you know, in high school, they're not teaching you that much. They're teaching very basic things. Um, so that was kind of like a new world for me. That's actually where I discovered CrossFit uh, through one of the trainers. And I actually got certified in CrossFit before I even got my CPT and before CrossFit kind of exploded. Um, and that was my first exposure into Olympic lifting. And then, oh, I think I might want to do USAW and kind of learn more. And like just from my knowledge and, you know, if I ever coach this to someone, which I ended up doing, um, that opened that door. Picked up my first kettlebell, 2006. And at the time, I was doing all these different kinds of sports that required a lot more movement kettlebells were the thing for me to go to. It's like, this is where I'm going to create power. I could move in different planes of motion. So like right now I know that flow is the thing. Back then it was snatch, squat, clean, press. And I was already like, how can I rotate with this thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard style. Rigid. Patches, palm catches into turning. That's where I was at. Like I wasn't doing the hard style stuff. Um, Gymnastics ring, parallettes, lot more calisthenic stuff throwing in the barbell here and there it was like i was taking the things i saw that were working for other people and it's like these fighters are probably the most dangerous people on earth they got the most power they're not doing the things that these people are doing this is the kind of stuff i want to like pick up on so it kind of let me start to learn and that's that's kind of where my passion for all this came from and why i uh i think you actually had in that little question all the little different certs that i have there's other yeah, ones yeah. That inspired i was just like um, <laughs> what cert can I go to to learn? What cert can I go to to learn? I need more. I need more. You know, whether I end up using it at some point or not, there's going to be things that you keep and things that good to know, but maybe not applicable to whatever you're doing. Um, and that's a long winded answer, but <laughs> that's kind I of love it, man. I love, love it. <laughs> I love all the context. And I know just from what we were talking, you were talking a little bit before getting on here and uh, hitting the record button about your experience in different industries and sales. And I mean, you kind of mentioned it and what you just said now 
Um, but one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, you talk about how many people in your world now that they, they have no clue that this isn't what you always did, right? Because obviously you live it, you're passionate about it. Um, but you were really doing both for quite a long time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you were doing sales at a high level for a number of different companies yep. while you were doing fitness. Um, you know, so which first off, I think is really interesting and cool. I think a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for people transitioning over different skills that you had because of that. So as you think about that all the time, especially on the sales side of just, you know, the corporate world, what do you feel like you brought over into fitness that was like an advantage for you or like a skill set, you know, having done a lot of that? I want to say, to be completely honest, the first thing I learned in sales, it isn't a sales business. It isn't a numbers business. It's a people business. Sales is about the other person in front of you. So what are they, what either, what are they coming to you for or what can you provide them that is valuable to them? Like, so in context, selling gym memberships in that gym in 2006, do they need the gym membership? Like, what is it that you want? Maybe a class pack is better for you. Maybe just coming and dropping in is better for you. My thing was always about listening to the other person, listening to that person. It's like, yeah, do I make more money selling membership? Absolutely. But is that really what you need? Is that really what you want? At the end of the day, if you actually give someone what they're looking for, they're going to appreciate that and they're more likely to come back to you either for like, hey, what should I do next? Like in the case of the gym, I sell somebody that membership that works best for them. They're going to come back to me if they decide they want to upgrade that membership because I didn't just shove it down their throat. Um, same scenario when I worked, uh, worked in business to business office depot. When I first got in there, I was doing cold calls and I was just a rep. I was just a salesperson. Um, very quickly, by listening and not just trying to shove things on their throat, they moved me into warm calls. So people who are already clients of Office Depot. Out of the relationships, I by listening and selling to them and upselling them based off of what they asked for, then I ended up becoming the actual manager of the department. And I have a team to teach. Hey, this is what we're doing. Then I have a Best Western in California and their whole chain of 13 Hey, we want to talk to Rick because I was making sure to give them what they were looking for and like, just listen It had nothing to do with the product that I'm selling it not had nothing to do with shoving more things and making more money. More money is going to come. If you do the right, thing. if you're doing the right thing and you're offering the right service, it's going to happen. Moving into T-Mobile, Apple, same concept. So as a personal trainer, what did I bring into the personal training aspect side? Someone comes to you and says, Hey, you know, I haven't worked out in five years. Uh, I have tight hips. Uh, my back's tight too. Um, I have difficulty like hinging forward, bending over, let's say deadlifts or whatnot, and just tying my shoes, whatever. Uh, I have a pretty strong upper body. My shoulders are good. My chest is good. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just want to work on trying to get my back stronger and my hips looser. All right, we're going to do CrossFit. I didn't listen to a goddamn thing you said, right? So, Listen to everything they're saying and it's just narrowing down. What's the biggest pain point? What's the thing that you really want to focus on the, you know, the most? We'll weave things in to your program, but let, let's try to break the, the uh, break, build the house one brick at a time or break it down per se so we can rebuild it back up. That's where I found the best success. That came from the sales side where I'm actually selling things to now I'm actually creating 
I feel like when you listen to someone in training and you're able to create that aha in movement where suddenly like, oh my God, I haven't been able to squat this low in seven years because my hips were so stiff. Oh my God, I was able to do a deadlift without having to have a dumbbell deadlift, a kettlebell deadlift, a barbell deadlift without having to have the weight elevated. And it didn't hurt. Like that kind of impact is priceless. But it comes from listening to that person and actually asking questions that you care about the answers. Not just asking the questions because it's on your, you know, park you. Let me just ask, <laughs> uh, do you have this? Do you, no, like show me what we're talking about. You know, do, making those assessments, doing assessments with the body and like seeing where they're at, showing them where they're at. Write it down, take a picture, take a video. So we're going to revisit this in a month, in two months. We're going to see where we're at. This is something we're actively working on going forward because now you're showing that investment. And I feel like trainer, any trainer who's worth a damn does most of these things because obviously you do want to track. Like, if you're not tracking, then what are you doing? Um, I want to, I, and I want to dive into a couple of things there because I just feel like that's a really, I think this whole uh, area of getting clients in getting new clients, what to do with them on the first session, how to get them to say yes. Like obviously it's, it's a big, it's a big barrier from a lot of coaches and trainers getting enough traction to stick with training, right. Instead of falling out of the industry after they get in. So I have a few things that I want to ask you there. The first one being, especially you talked about listening, you know, asking questions. So my first is if you only had one or two questions, right? Not that these are like tricks, but just in general, just from your experience, for those that are listening, if you, if you were only able to ask one or two questions to someone as you're kind of connecting in person for that first time, what would those questions be and why? My first one, uh, I would probably have to ask, what does your life look like right now? Work, stress, like tell me what a day in your life looks like right now. That's going to give you a very broad scope of are they work? Are they working a lot? Are they just stressed out with kids, et cetera? Obviously, to the degree that they're honest and, and share with you. But being able to know what a day looks like for a potential client on average kind of is going to show you potential. They sit a lot, stressors, um, like I mentioned, workaholic, or they're more sedentary, et cetera. Um, second question I'd probably ask, anything that inhibits your movement, what would you say if you have any pain points on the body or things that you want to work on specifically. And I'm not talking about like, I want to get fitter. I want to get leaner. No, like actual more relatable to, I want to move better kind of question. I, I don't have a concrete way to ask that because I don't have a client in front of me, but I kind yeah. of use my eyes and I read the room when someone comes to me and I'm already looking. It's like, I see hips, I see upper back rounding, et cetera. So I kind of know kind of where to navigate the questions to. You know, and that comes more from the visual as I'm greeting them, et cetera. You're going to see, hey, I see someone's walking with a little bit of limp, a little hip difference. That's where I'm going to steer my question after finding out those stressors or finding that initial question, which I, I like it to be. That's my stressor question because um, those are the things that people don't always realize affect their body. It's like, this is just my day. I've been doing this for 20 years. Like that. That's normal for me. Might be normal for you, but these this is how we can kind of try to balance you the other way on the scale. You know, I got to know that before I can take you here. So I dig I dig that, and my follow up to that as well is like, okay, like we've got some idea that 
once we've got someone in front of us that, you know, your, your recommendations, obviously being a good listener, having some good specific questions that are going to allow you to dive in deeper. How about just getting the person in front of you? And I say this because I know, I know now from some of our convo, you've worked in a lot of different settings and you yourself have gotten busier with clients. You've seen other trainers who've done well or not done well to get busy with clients. Um, so what would you recommend? Let's say you're overseeing some new coaches and trainers who are walking into, they're starting to train inside of a new environment. How do they go about getting known in the gym by clients, getting people interested in training with them? I know it's kind of a broad question, but what would you recommend that they do in order to try to get busy? Easy one. One, if you're in a gym setting, big box, little box, doesn't matter. If you're in a gym setting and you're a trainer at a gym, one, walk the walk. So when you're in the gym and it, it, you're not training clients, work out. Show people what you do. If people don't see you doing what you're telling them to do, why are they going to believe you? Why are they going to follow you? You don't do it yourself. And I know there's some trainers that are uh, the mentality of, like, I'm going to show up at 5 a.m. when no one's here so that I got the gym to myself. And that's great. That is perfectly fine. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But if your goal is to get clients, they need to see you. They need to see what you're doing. They need to see how you like to work out. And something about that that a lot of people also fail to miss, maybe I'm a power lifter kind of guy, but I also train grandmas. So now you're showing range. So people see you over here deadlifting 500 pounds, and they also see you working with grandma on boxes and bands and you know maybe stability balls, and that's it. Now people see that you're not just a one-trick pony. So people seeing you walk the walk and do what you do, most important thing. Second thing, when you're on the floor, if you're not training clients, approach clients, but don't approach clients to sell them. Don't approach. I wouldn't even approach clients to say hi. I mean, yeah, say hi to people. You should already kind of know people, but don't approach them with an intention. And uh, I'll actually use uh, my time at anatomy. I was just a group trainer at anatomy. I wasn't a personal trainer at anatomy. Um, but routinely for me, if I see anybody I would say hi to everyone, say hi, be friends, uh, get names, et cetera. So that's step one because I don't want to be the creep that walks up to someone. Um, <laughs> if I saw someone, anyone, didn't matter, doing a deadlift with a rounded back or bad posture or even bicep curling and uh, arching their back and th throwing their weight, like a cheat curl, but it looks like you're not cheating. You're just trying way too hard and you're doing a terrible. Any little movement that I saw somebody do wrong. I would just come over and just be like, hey, is it cool if I showed you something uh, that might make that a little make that uh, a little easier, a little better? Not in a condescending way, obviously. You don't be like, hey, you're doing that wrong. Can I show you how to do it better? No. Hey, can I show you another way to do that that might, you know, maybe feels better? Drop that little bomb. Did that feel better? Cool. Try one more time. Let me see if you do see that again. Okay, perfect. Yeah, make sure you keep the shoulders back scapula depressed, you know, lats engage on a deadlift, et cetera. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Anytime, man. No problem. Walk away. Walk away. A lot of times trainers do that and they're like, Hey, yeah, let me help you. Da, da, da. Yeah. You know what? If you'd like, we can work together and now I'm selling you. So now that interaction went from, Oh, cool. He's helping me. Oh, that's why he was helping me. So now someone's going to be defensive. And anytime you try to do that, they're going to be like, you're the girl or the guy that's coming to help me because you're trying to sell me a package. Don't. Do it because you really want them to get better and feel better. 
and you want them to move better. And you don't want to be working at a gym where people are doing things wrong and then getting hurt and saying, I got hurt at Joe Drake's gym because every trainer that works there is going to be held as, well, you work there. Yeah. Even if it's, well, yeah, it wasn't yeah. my client, but you work there. So it's just <laughs> a reflection of you, even if it wasn't you. To, you know, that's the way that I've always perceived it. It's like, this is my house. This is our house. I want to take care of you. You're not my client. I don't care. I want to make sure you're moving well and I want to take care of you because at some point or another, like we're probably going to be friends. And every time I've ever done that, even if I never train that client one-on-one, they will always remember my name. They'll always come to me if they need some help, quick help. And by process of that, using anatomy as the example, eventually there were some clients who were like, I want to train with you. Well, I'm just a group trainer here. I want to train with you. And I had a couple of people go straight to uh, Mark, the owner, like, how can I train with him? You know, and he obviously, you know, in those particular circumstances, he's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. You know, appreciate that, you know, the interaction and you were helping him and that they really want to train with you. They went yeah. that far to try to get me to train them. That speaks more to if you're genuine and you're doing your job, you're showing them knowledge, you're giving value at the utmost level. It's like, I'm giving you something for free, kind of like fitness influencers online. And I want to say, I don't say fitness, but trainers on Instagram, how do you, how do they work? They'll drop a little tidbit in their post or in their story to show value. Sure. It's trying to get a client at some point, but at the end of the day, you don't know who's watching that. You're doing it because you're just trying to throw out there your value. Here's what I know how to do. Here's how I know. Here's how I can articulate it to you. Hope that helps. Someone might message you. Someone might not. There's not a person in front of you for you to ask to close that sale. You're doing it in hopes that, you know, what you're doing, someone sees it, likes it, it resonates, it comes back. Same aspect. The exception is you don't have a body in front of you to ask, hey, will you train with me? Yeah. 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 No, it's, you definitely got to, you definitely got to play the long game, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just add, adding value to add value. You know, a couple of things that I'll, I guess, tag on to what you were talking about too. I think definitely the, the being present and busy, like if you're expecting to get busy as a coach and trainer and not just be there a lot, like you're, you're living in a dreamland, right? Even I joke around, I've got like my air traffic controller headphones on for any of you guys who are watching this on YouTube right now, or if you're listening to the podcast, you know, some big goofy headphones, you know, people work out, trainers go work out in the gym, hat on, headphones on. Nah, I mean, you gotta, you got Take those babies off, smile at people, just have mm -hmm. conversations. Um, and you're right, right? That's the stuff that connects people. And I forget exactly, gosh, I forget the book that I got this from. It might, I think it's called Captivate, but I know they were uh, looking at research on like the most likable people in high school. You know, like why are they the most likable out of all the kids? And really what it boiled down to and came down to was like they were, they were the most interested in other people right? Like they were genuinely, they would smile, they would have conversations and that was it. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it's almost sounds too simple. Um, but I think like you said, it's tough cause you're in this fight or flight, like, God, I got to get clients. I got to get clients. And so you're almost too desperate and people yeah. can smell desperation, especially when it comes to sales. And I'm going to say too, you know, cause I know with your initial question, it was like, what do you say to a new trainer? Mm -hmm. I, you know, and any, any new trainers out there listening to this, it's normal when you're brand new to come in and be like, oh my God, I got to get clients. You're just starting out. You, you are trying to build your book. You <laughs> yeah. are trying to test if your experience and the knowledge that you have at that moment is good enough. Don't worry about that. Like worry about making the connections. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I do personal and I do group. 
in group fitness, this is different. The best instructors aren't the ones that know everything. They're the ones that remember everybody's name, make sure that the room doesn't catch fire. Their workouts don't even have to be that hard. They can just be okay, but they have the personality, the charisma, and they're just fun. Like think about in a one-on-one -on -one setting, do you want to spend an hour with yourself? Would you hang out with you for an hour? Cause that's at the end of the day, once you show them, you know how to train, you're their friend and you're training them. You sometimes their therapist, you're sometimes their trainer, you know, like their soundboard. It is what it's going to be. And at the end of the day, that's all it is. They just have to like you, your skill and your experience. Maybe you get a client and you aren't sure, Hey, I need to do this and this, that one session. Maybe you don't, it doesn't go perfect, but guess what? That's an experience, uh, an opportunity for you to go back to the drawing board, right? When you get home, you know, John needed this and I wasn't sure. I thought this was going to work. This didn't work for me. Let me look up some stuff or let me reach out to another trainer and ask, hey, what would you do in this situation? Opportunity for you to grow, opportunity for learn. That's all it is. It's all an opportunity to learn. It's not failing. It's not like you didn't do good. Just worry about connecting and then worry about the rest. Like, especially if you've already gotten your CPT, like, you know enough to get through it. Worry about making that a memorable experience by your personality. Your knowledge will shine over time. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and I want to, I want to take a little bit of like a left turn, mostly because you mentioned, uh, you know, group classes, group instruction, group training, group, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's many different names for it and some differences amongst, uh, class types, but you've been teaching group stuff for quite a long time. It sounds like maybe as long, if not longer than one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And I find over time, I find over time, uh, not a lot of people end up sticking with both, right? Like either a, they might do some group, you know, for example, you might relate to this story. We've even had some people here on the podcast who, you know, they were teaching orange theory classes and then that was a way to build their one-on-one. -on -one, and then eventually they left the classes. Right. Um, I really like the hybrid instructor, the person who can do both, because I just think it opens up a lot of opportunities for you. But for you specific, what do you like about doing both, right? Because I know you're doing both versus just focusing on one or the other. So I feel like for me, it started back 2008, 2009, 10. It started out of the, the situation where I, I was a new PT and I would get a client and I was like, yes, I got a client. And what do you need? And then they tell me what they need. And I go home and I draw like a four, six week program for us to, you know, cycle. And then they yeah. show up for two sessions a week and then they miss one and then they miss another. And I'm like, God, and then I'm not getting the results. And I just got frustrated in my head. It's like, I just put all this time and effort being new, creating programs can be a little bit time consuming. And you feel like, damn, I created this perfect program and now it's not yeah. working because they're not adhering, you know, to the time that we're committing to. You said you two yeah. twice a week. I made something that's going to work. So I started to feel a little discouraged with that. It was a little frustrating. And as opposed to saying, screw this, I started coaching. And I actually started coaching. As I mentioned earlier, I got into CrossFit. I started coaching CrossFit because um, it was kind of the style of training that I enjoyed. You had your yeah. heavy lifts. You had a lot of plyometric. It was more athletic. And I've always, as I mentioned, is more about being athletic and adaptable than being rigid and, or I want to be the biggest guy and the strongest guy, you know, those things will come by virtue. If you keep training, you'll have strength, you'll have power, you'll have, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I started doing uh, CrossFit uh, co or coaching CrossFit 
that led me to coaching other things and doing my own little boot camps and things of that nature. And the PT side, I would keep my clients at a lower number. I probably, I don't think I ever want, I want to say I ever had more than five clients at a time, just because I wanted to make sure that the clients I had were people who were bought in. Um, otherwise for me, it almost felt like it was a waste of time and programming for what? Um, not getting to see if my programming is yielding the results that I want. And at the time, I didn't want to go into like an Equinox or, mm. uh, you know, LA Fitness back then, 2008, nine. Um, one, because I felt very comfortable and secure in my corporate world job. And this mm -hmm. was my side thing at the time. So I could do this yeah. after work or before work, you know, and I still was getting paid a decent amount of money, good money. Um, and this was extra. It was like my fun thing to do. But the thing I was really, truly passionate about Um as I started to explore different modalities and attend different certifications or seminars or workshops, it's like, oh, TRX is actually pretty cool. This is actually very accessible for a lot of different people. It's not just a silly thing that it hangs. You can do a lot with it, and it's very helpful. And even for the, the older gen pop, people with injuries, amazing to use with that, gen, with that, um, that uh, population base. Um, and you'd be amazed for those of you that are new trainers, how many people cannot support their own weight on their hands, put them on a suspension trainer, even with an angle that helps them and they still can't do it. So, uh, opportunity to like give those wild moments, right? Um, so the hybrid thing just kept rolling and I kept just, Hey, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn how to do spinning. Kettlebell was always a constant. If I am allowed to use a kettlebell in the class, it's going to be in the class. Um, <laughs> And I just kept shifting through different modalities. And I started to notice back to my uh, original uh, thing that I pulled from the corporate world, I can connect better with people in that group setting. In a one-on-one -on -one setting, obviously I'm connecting with you personally, but when you have 20 people and you can remember 20 people's names and you can remember Marsha's got a knee injury and John's got a back thing and this guy can't go overhead like your brain just starts firing. It's almost like a drug for me, like to sit in the room and like, I know how to na navigate this chessboard of people and no one ever notices. Uh, to a certain degree, it was a little, on my, my part, it was like a little, uh, little game. And um, that was something that drew me to it. It's like, how many people can I catch as they walk in the door? I'm going to start to see, like, I can tell this person as this, I think this, Hey, how are you? Do you have any injuries? Let me guess. Me. Oh, this, that. And I just started to become very proficient at seeing these things from a walk, from a gate, um, which then translating back to my private clients, I can catch something very quickly. And it's just seeing the repetition I wasn't getting in single sessions. To see 10 clients in a day, I can see 20 in an hour. And I'll see different body movement from every single person. And having to learn and adapt to being able to adapt to modify things at a very quick pace for me was much more uh, rewarding than being in a one-on-one -on -one setting. The one-on-one -on -one setting is more rewarding for that like overall life change that you could impact someone with. But then translating that into a group class, I've had people that have been taking group classes with me anywhere that I go for six, seven years now. They've just followed me wherever I go. They'll say they're groupies. They just follow me because, <laughs> but they're getting that same feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And you know what? I think that's a unique way of looking at it too. I definitely have been promoting 
people getting experience in both for a long time. I think because, you know, like you said, that first off provides you more opportunities. You have some consistent, even from a, you know, you're, you're building your business. There's some consistent income with your classes. You're in front of a lot of people, but I don't know that I've explained it in that way that, yeah, you just get a lot of reps, right? You get a lot of reps faster because, you know, there's a lot of people in front of you. And if you're, let's call it like a purist, like a training purist where you want everything to be perfect. You know, I, I can see how teaching group classes would be a struggle because you're never going to get that. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's the benefit too, right? Is it really kind of forces you to think about what's the most important, the experience. And uh, yeah, no doubt. If you can explain a hip hinge or a single leg RDL to 20 people, I mean, you can do anything with one. I think too, something that I would say, and this would be to any new trainer who's looking into trying to do the hybrid thing at first. You get you got some other things that actually I didn't mention that are beneficial. You need leads. You have a room of 20, 30, 40 people. You're not trying to sell them the PT session. But you know what? If you sell them on what you know and your experience in that room, one, they might already like you. So that personality, charisma, et cetera, that I talked about, it's already there. They saw it. Second, you give them a good workout. That makes it easier for you if you do think that there is a conversation to be had to approach and be like, oh, yeah, I also offer personal training. I would tell you initially in those settings, don't go asking for the sale because you're going to have defense. But if that conversation leads or read the room, if someone seems interested, they're going to tell you. It's like, oh, yeah, I also do personal training. Oh, yeah. Boom. There's your conversation. If you even get one person that's interested per class, that's one person that you didn't have already. Now, back to the reps. If there's something that I think has helped me be successful in group fitness, that also applies to private uh, personal training, one-on-one -on -one training. You can't just jump into, hey, I'm going to teach you kettlebell swings at the start of class. You have to learn how to, one, what's my program look like? How am I going to warm up this class? So let's say it's I teach a class called kettle booty, very lower body focused, glutes, quads, hamstrings, adductors, even Love a little bit name. more. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, <laughs> what do I do every class? We're going to warm up. We're going to start a warm up with hamstrings, hip openers, adductors, everything lower body, even planks, forearm planks, high to low, focus on stability, etc. Then I'll take them into a hinge. We're going to work on a good morning. We're going to work on a deadlift. Then we'll go from that to, to lunges, alternating lunges, bilateral, unilateral, kind of keeping the body moving. I haven't even loaded them super heavy yet. Before they ever do a kettlebell swing, we're probably like 30 minutes into a class. If I even do a kettlebell swing, because I don't need to. Mm -hmm. And where I'm going with that, it teaches you how to progress. How, do I, how can you manage 20, 30 people in a room? You can't unless you progress them together. Can you later on, as they're already warm and you've already seen the movement, hey, you're going to, if I'm doing a, a regular full body kettlebell class, I'm going to go from a floor clean, dead clean, floor to rack, before I ever take them overhead. I'm not just going to say, let's rack it up once and then just press. No, we're going to make sure we got that rack. We got that motion. We can extend well, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. I'm going to pack them in. We're going to march a little bit. I'm going to give them overhead presses. Maybe I'll go into a one-arm swing. I don't do this in every class, but I'm giving an idea where I'm progressing from floor clean to swing clean. We had a press. Now we're going to work into a snatch. If I can get you to the clean, then I can get you to an elevated clean into a little bit higher clean. Oh my God, you just did a snatch. Everyone goes with me. We move together. And now not only are you learning progression skills, 
that will apply back to your one-on-one -on -one setting. In your group setting, you're creating a group experience where we're moving together, which is more impactful than just like everybody mountain climbers, everybody squat jumps. All right, we're doing deadlifts. No, move together. It's a group class. It's kind of like that energy moving together creates a better, more elevated experience. But you're progressing everyone step by step and seeing those reps are going to show you how many, how different bodies move. And I think for new trainers, let's say I'm going to do a single leg RDL. We all know what to look for in things that may go wrong with the body. But if you're only working one person at a time every hour, you're only going to see a finite number of bodies. If I set up, and I'm actually very stickler with this in my classes, I set the mats in exactly the places I want so I have rows. So all I need to do is walk to the end and look straight down the row, and I can see where hips are not in line, who's turning, who's rotating, who's not hinging, who's squatting. And that group class is going to give you more reps in seeing what the human body could do incorrectly in a safer, in a not so terrible way and in a not safe way. So when you're with your client, you don't have to wait till they're done with their set or three reps too late to say, how'd that feel? Oh, wait, let's correct this because you're new and you're still learning. So you might not catch it immediately. You might see one rep kind of looks wrong. Another rep kind of looks wrong. You know what? Try to do this. That sounds unsure. Try to. You got 20 bodies. Now you kind of see what that could look like. And of course, everyone has different anatomy, different bone structures, different hip structures, et cetera. But you start to see where things could be off. And you can catch that one-on-one -on -one client and be like, rep comes down. How'd that back feel? Did you feel anything in the hamstring? In the, in the, in the, how'd that feel? Okay. Before the next rep here. And you fix it before the next rep. And you look for confirmation of if that felt better or not. I think yeah. that's something that a lot of people don't take from group fitness because they're so busy creating the experience where it's like, you can also take things to use in that one-on-one -on -one experience that takes practice, I think, and a little bit of time, but yeah, work towards that. Will yeah. Benefit you in both avenues in both sides of the fence. Yeah. That's, I, I think like the, the more you're talking about it, I really like the, I like the, the communication benefit of being able to do both. Right. Because I think when, like you said, obviously you got to get, you got to get better with your coaching cues and knowing what does and doesn't work when you have so many bodies in the room and knowing like you see, like you all of a sudden you'll be like, man, I used this cue in this class and it worked well and I used it in another class and it didn't. So now you've got to start to think differently about these people that are in there and, and even just uh, getting better on the fly with like those simple micro progressions and regressions, because, you know, I can think back to being a new coach and trainer. And I had, like you mentioned, this four to six week perfect program that came in and whatever I came in with, like maybe they weren't ready for that move yet. And, you know, I was like a deer in the headlights instead of like this little micro progression. But I think the cool thing about the group class is now that I think back, because our gym here in Boca that I, you know, was an owner for uh, five years, we were very much group training and one-on-one. -on -one. And so taught a ton of group classes, you know, 10 to 15 a week, you know, most weeks. And that was one thing I, you know, really took away is like, hey, you had to be not only ready in the moment to give someone a small modification, but actually to coach them, right? It's like maybe the first set you had version one. And then, hey, if you felt good with that on our next set, we're going to try this, right? So it just gets you really thinking about that skill element. I like that you mentioned that, like putting things together, because that really, to me, is the difference between maybe group training 
and like traditional group fitness in people's minds, you know, that you're bringing people on this training experience, which might make them see the value in training with you. So I really like that. I think that's awesome. So I want to add one thing. You mentioned the queuing. I think with new trainers, and I'm guilty this happened to me at the very beginning, we get married to the cues we're taught. Shoulders back, proud chest, hips back. When you do that in front of 20 people, you're going to realize that half of them understand you and the other half don't have any idea what you're talking about. You'll say hips back and someone will squat, literally. For example, if I'm talking about a deadlift I don't, and it happens to me every time and it's usually the same clients, like <laughs> push your butt to the wall, squat. And so for a newer trainer in that group setting, if you choose to have that in, you know, as part of your hybrid, you can leverage that to practice different cues and see which ones work and which ones don't. You might say a cue, 75% of the room works and you're like, okay, I might keep that one. You say a cue and 10% of the room does it and the other 90 don't get it. You're like, oh, maybe I won't ever say that again. <laughs> it's going to help you see what works and what doesn't in that context. Yeah. So I want to, I, I want to take a, a turn into some of the courses and certifications, like all the things you've gotten into, right? Cause I, I know from working with and talking to a lot of newly certified trainers, you know, you get through your certification and then right away it's like, okay, what next, right? What am I going to go learn next? And you know, you, you went through a lot of different training certifications, like funny enough, like I did the kettlebell USAW, a lot of strategies that maybe on a day to day, you know, maybe not all of your clients are doing Olympic lifting. So if you can think back to like all these other courses that you've gone through, especially things like that, maybe like the kettlebell USAW, some of these more real kind of niche courses and certifications. Um, what do you feel like was the real benefit of doing those? Because I, I would imagine, I mean, for me, I did the USAW and I learned a ton, right? Like my Olympic lifting. Um, but I don't do a lot of li Olympic lifting with a lot of clients regularly. So if you look back at those too, like what was the value in doing those for you in those early I mean, years? At the time, um, as I mentioned, I was coaching CrossFit. So that had a very direct translation into what I was coaching at the time. Um, yeah. It was more about, for me, like I've always been of the mentality of if this is where I'm at right now, how can I be the best product for the people in front of me? So that's why I attended USAW. Um, at this point of the game, how does it help me? I don't teach as much Olympic lifting to people. I don't even think every anyone needs to touch a barbell. Not that I'm saying <laughs> don't touch a barbell, but yeah, reality, yeah, yeah. does anyone need a barbell on their back? No. Does anyone need to deadlift the barbell off the floor? No. Can hey, they? Be, Absolutely. Be, be, you know? be careful with your words. It's Squatoba right now when we're about oh, to I know. go I'm doing it. Dead I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm into Squatoba right now. So yeah. I'm putting a barbell on my back. So, so to that case in point where I'm – to the newer trainer, you don't have to put a barbell in your client's hands is what I'm trying to get at. Can they get there if they want to? Yes. What is their goal? What are they working towards? You know – are they an athlete? Are they not an athlete? Like, what is the purpose? At the end of the day, as I know I mentioned the, earlier, the listening to the client, what do they want to do? If your client comes to you and he's 40 years old, he's like, I want to back squat 400 pounds. And he works in an office. Does he need to? No, but that's what he wants to do. So it's your job to either get him where he wants to or get him to understand that that might not be the best thing for him, <laughs> depending on his, obviously, physical capabilities, health, et cetera. Um, so... 
Yeah, I mean, that's where I stand with USAW and what it took. And there's a lot of principles and methods that everything translates over, you know, uh, a kettlebell snatch while not starting from in front of the shins. Like how different is it from a barbell snatch outside of the obviously grip and you're, it's a different tool. But in theory, from the ground up, same idea. You're taking it down to the hinge. We're keeping it close to the body. Little deflection of the shoulder as it's popping under. Catch. Same idea. Different movement, yes, to a degree. But in theory, the action isn't different. It isn't too different. And honestly, I taught a lot of people how to snatch better on a barbell using a kettlebell to snatch. Because they would either bounce the barbell too far. You can't do that. You don't want to bounce a kettlebell off your hips. That won't feel very nice. It's probably going to hurt some parts that you don't want to touch. (laughs) Um, so that was one, um, what, what, uh, what other shirt did you ask me about? No. Yeah. Just in general. And, and this is kind of also where I'm going with it too, is, uh, cause I think that's good insight for people, but let's say just like what lens should new coaches use when they're looking at like their next thing. Right. I mean, obviously there's so many different routes to go with continued education beyond your intro into the industry. You know, how should they be looking at what they choose next? So I'll tell you one thing, don't come in, and I, I, I feel like I see this all the time, don't come into the industry saying, I'm going to be the trainer that helps moms, I'm going to be the trainer that helps uh, busy professionals, I'm going to be the trainer that focuses on bodybuilding, don't do that, not because there's anything wrong with that, more so, you don't know what you're going to be good at, you don't know, the clientele is all going to be different. It's better to kind of dabble in everything a little bit at first and just take what you can because one, it's going to make you a more well-rounded trainer within the abilities that you have. It's going to show you things that maybe you don't like dealing with the moms, the stay-at-home moms. Maybe they talk too much for you. Maybe you know they might not um, be great with timing, dropping kids off and stuff like that, and it might be they might be late or whatnot. The busy professional might be just too busy and canceling on you all the time. Maybe he's stressed out. He's kind of a dick sometimes. And other times he's just like so happy to just hang out with you. You never know what you're going to like until you do it. So if you already narrow yourself off and say, I'm only going to focus on people that want to do bodybuilding. That's a very small niche of people already because we, as we already know, there's a lot of people who are not physically active to the degree they need to be. So you already narrowed yourself to a very small box, right? Just like if you pick the busy professional, you put yourself in a small box. And I'm using these stereotypes that are very easy to pick from. But all those particular niches require different skill sets, different um, personal skill sets, as, as long with training skill sets. It's better to just open yourself up and just see what you like and take as many clients as you can. Get your feet wet. Just try different people. Learn how to program for different people. As far as education, if it interests you, go do it. If it doesn't interest you, ask some friends. Because in some places, some gyms will either help you pay for your certification or offer some kind of discount just for being a trainer there. I'd behoove you to take it. Because anything that you feel is going to help you become better, you should do it. You should probably go learn. I've gone to certain – like I've taken probably I think every kettlebell cert. And I use kettlebells because as you guys know, that's my gym. Done RKC, mm-hmm. I've done on it, I've done strong first, I did IKFF long ago, mm-hmm. I've done kettlebell king. And honestly, after you do one of those main ones, you already know all the movements. But for me, if I even take one new cue out of it, 
but one new way to teach that movement, it was a win for me. Yeah, maybe I spent three, four, five hundred, God knows what. I don't care. And I got to network with other professionals. And that's another piece that has less to do with training your clients, but more to do with your profession. Networking with other people that are doing what you're doing and are enjoying the things that you like. So if it's USAW, other Olympic lifters, you might have buddies now that you can go lift with. And they're also coaches that you can lean on and ask for advice that maybe have more years on deck than you, or maybe they're starting out like you. So you can have someone that relates to you or someone that can help you and give you advice. Look for more ways to grow. Don't just put yourself in the box from day one. Yeah, it's like they say, uh, you know, everyone's heard the phrase niches uh, or the, you know, riches are in the niches, but it takes a while to get there. There's nothing wrong with creating a niche, but I mean, I most of the, let's say the consistent long-term coaches and trainers that I've talked to, or even those you've had on the podcast, they've all said the same thing. It's like, you just got to get experience, yeah. figure out what you're going to like, because I thought I was destined to train competitive athletes, probably like a lot of, you know, young male trainers. And then I was working with athletes at a couple of different facilities and I just didn't love it as, you know, as much as I thought I would. And I would have known that had I not just gotten to work with a lot of people. Yeah. So I like that. And, and like you mentioned too, you know, just the, the broad experience is going to teach you. And then, then down the road, you can find out yeah. where you might go with it. But, uh, but yeah. The, uh, uh, with the niche thing, if you're a brand new trainer and you put yourself in this niche, I'll uh, ask you one question. Who knows who you are? Yeah, you got to build You are this experience. guy that's so good at teaching or this girl who's so good at training people to Olympic lift, but I've never heard of you. You are so great. You know you can get people. You've done a, a, a NPC show yourself, and so you're telling me that you can get me there, but who else have you gotten there? And yeah. that's not to take away from anyone's knowledge or experience. You might be new, but maybe – I know guys who became trainers because they've had years of experience practicing for shows and stuff like that. And they're just like, I'm just going to do this. Um, like I've had buddies that have done that. But at the end of the day, if you've never been a trainer and you don't have a history of clients that would vouch for you or even like a, a testimonial, et cetera, like why is someone that has never met you or heard of you? Like, I don't know who you are. Like you look great. Everything you're telling me kind of sounds good, but like I've never heard of you in my life. So I feel like that's another reason to kind of just open it up because those clients that you take care of along the way, at some point, they're going to feed you something back. And a referral is the best thing that you can have. That's the best payment you could ever have. I like that. And kind of the last thing that I want to cover with you, just because I know it's something that has led you to a lot of opportunities or even just kind of talking about that for you, aside from teaching classes and training and, you know, working with people, um, You've been able to get into teaching certifications. You've obviously gone to a lot of certifications. You have gotten involved in the community running events, right? You know, uh, with some local organizations. Um, you've also gotten behind the scenes and working with other brands and companies, even on the content production side of things. Like, you know, you've done a lot of different things outside of just training. And I don't think a lot of people know those things even exist, right? Like training in their mind is it. And then there's just so many other areas. But for those who might aspire to do more than just training um, or once they have the awareness of, what would be your recommendation for them to do or for them to focus on to even have opportunities open up for them down the road? Uh, so I guess it's going to depend on what you want to do. And I'll, I'll just kind of leverage on my personal experiences. Um, 
part of how I was able to work with brands initially was just post my stuff on Instagram. I wasn't looking for brands. I just started trying to post quality stuff. And it wasn't even a, here's a training tip. I was just posting stuff that I like doing with, you know, whether it's kettlebells or my workout and just kind of try to make a cool video. And it wasn't even, it, again, it wasn't to actively sell to anyone else. At the end of the day, everything we put on social, unless you're like, you know, private uh, a private account or don't particularly care about profession stuff is more you're selling yourself to people what what they see you're, they're buying into it so uh for me it started with just posting stuff trying to make it look as nice as possible you know get someone to shoot for me with a nice camera or whatnot and here's what i do here's what i do second thing talk about what i do like, hey, come take my classes. Hey, check out my people. I'm going to highlight all my people that take my classes. I'm going to shout out for the ends of the earth. Here's my clients. These people are awesome. Again, going back to that people connection, which is to me the most important thing, it's what leads you everywhere else. By virtue of being active, promoting the things that I do, not trying to find anything that at some point someone reaches out and says, hey, would you like to do this? Would you like to work with this brand? Hey, Nike would like to be part of the event you're doing, you know, at the Eden Rock. Um, the State Fit 305 thing that uh, the, the the brand that I do events with, that I work with, that I host their events, it came from the guy who owned that came to my class and he just took my class. I had no idea who he was. I never knew who he was until one day he comes up to me. He's like, would you want to be a part of one of our events? I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, I do State Fit 305. I didn't know. Dude, that's you. You've been here for how You've been coming here for how long? And then boom, but their whole mantra was to build the fitness community and to bring the fitness community together to highlight trainers, to highlight the experiences and have everybody having fun. And that's all I was doing. So it was a, like a kind of match. Yeah. Just, it just clicked because that's what I was putting out there. It's like, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it was probably, you know, you were probably doing content and some of these things you're talking about for, a considerable period of time before no. anyone reached out to you. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I really start, I honestly, it was maybe a year and a half of like post maybe every two days or every three days, minimum two posts a week, give or take um, stories. I wasn't a, a, an animal on stories. I could have 16, 17 stories in a day because I was teaching so much, but um, you were, you're, that's and I think that's maybe my takeaway too is obviously, you know, maybe you weren't a social media machine, but you were in front of a lot of people every day yes, with just you being your brand, speaking your brand, you know, just representing it. A hundred percent, absolutely. Um, the content stuff, like me doing content for other people, stemmed from uh, honestly, I by virtue of working at Anatomy, uh, my girlfriend works for this brand called Tremble, uh, very awesome Pilates on a reformer brand. Um, yep. I shot something for her on my phone and I edited it on my computer and it was, it looked nice. Uh, took some photos. They looked nice. And then, you know, the person who owned that business, um, she asked me, can you shoot a couple more things for us? I was like, cool. Yeah. Did a little bit more. And she goes, I would love for you to do some more. And then I just went, you know what, let me just invest. And I got a camera and I got some lenses and I got some stuff. And then I just upped my game. It was like, let me just do it. And anything yeah. she was giving me was going right back into yeah, yeah. Into that. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually a friend of mine who had her own creative company, she's like, hey, would you uh, be interested in like supporting us? You know, they were, they're a group of creatives are doing some shoots. They're like, would you support us? You know, take some photos. Sure. 
then I helped there and then I someone else and someone else. And that's all it was. It's just, it was all about people and connecting with people. At no point, and if I'm being 100% honest with you, at no point have I said, hire me for content. I've not posted that anywhere. If anything, I just post, oh, I made this really cool reel for such and such a brand. Look at how cool their event was. Yeah. I haven't sought out business. Maybe that's a bad thing on my part. I could have more, but things have kind of come just by, I just put it out there. You like it, then we vibe. We're cool. Otherwise, no, you know, no big deal. Like I'm not missing out on anything that I don't know I'm missing out on, but it has brought me things. Um, Techno gym. I went to visit Jacqueline who was at Ursa. I wanted to check out the event and Jacqueline was there. And my friend of mine, Talia was also there. Um, and uh, this other gym city zero that I work with was also there. So I was kind of going to visit all my friends and just check it out. I've never been to Ursa. It was a cool thing to check out, but I, I made a point to go uh, visit Jacqueline and say, Hey, what's going on? I want to you know check this out. Super cool. And I thought everything they were doing was pretty awesome. And that's when they they, they debuted the uh, bio strength bio circuit. Mm -hmm. And I was just yeah. like nerding out. It's like, I can do drop sets and they can, yeah. I can have plates. It just does it for me. Like, Imagine doing a, a, a eccentric overload on a bench press. Like you're going to have to have people either pins or someone to help you put it back up every time. Yeah. The convenience yeah. of just boom, reset. Oh my God. And I just nerded out and I was like, guys, this is so awesome. How can I like, if there, is there any way that I can do something with you guys? I don't care. Like, how can I work with you guys? But they were no, uh, um, in that conversation, like they saw how I was like geeking out and passionate about it. I kept talking for like 45 minutes. And then that point, Leslie Bell was like, yeah, I can, you know, if you want to do this, like I'll send you some modules and here's how we're going to work. And da, da, da. I think that's probably the one time in these situations where I actually asked, but it was more of a, not like I'm actively looking to work with you as much as like in that moment, like this was cool. I like what you're doing. I appreciate this a lot. I think this should get in front of people. How can I help? How can I be part of this? That's cool. I love that. And uh, for those that are listening, again, whether you know they're watching on YouTube, listening on the podcast, uh, where can people find you? And I know you've got some stuff going on even later this year. I know in November you're teaching uh, PPSC kettlebell certification in Miami. Is that correct? Yes, sir. November. I'll tell you right now the date. It's the third weekend, eighteenth, nineteenth. Love that. Yeah. I'll make sure that I add some links here in the show notes as well. So people can find that. But aside from that, where can people best connect with you? If they just want to, they want to connect with you. They want to absorb what you're doing in the fitness industry. Um, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, feel free to DM me at, on Instagram at I am Absolutely. Feel free to shoot me a DM. If you got any questions, if you want any opinion on what you're doing, love to chat, love to connect with people. Um, if you're in the Miami area, you want to drop in, take a class. I teach at Barry's boot camp uh, pretty often at True Fusion and Carl Gables uh, and also City Zero. Again, shoot me a DM. I'll bring you in as a guest. You can come drop in. Feel free by any chance. Uh, love to connect with people. So you'd be, I'd be happy that. to have you guys come through. Even if, you're, even if you're visiting in the Miami area, go take a class with Rick um, so you guys can you know experience some of the stuff he's talking about in real person live as well. Uh, well, Rick, I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you, you know, giving us some insight into your experience in the industry. Uh, I feel like, you know, this is really just still the beginning of all the impact that you are going to have. Um, I feel fortunate just to have gotten to interact with you in the last couple of years. And I, I look forward so. to hopefully having you back on in the future.